Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I want to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9. It's been some time, but you may remember that we were in the Gospel of Luke. We've been out for some time, but we are returning to our series in Luke. We entitled the series, Jesus, Friend of Sinners, and we're picking up back in Luke chapter 9. I think the last message from Luke, um, Hunter preached and um, from verses 18 to 22. So we're going to pick up this morning with Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 23. Uh, in, here in Luke 9, Jesus um, is engaged in his final mission in Galilee, the region of Galilee, which was his home region, uh, before he's going to be going to Jerusalem. And much of, of Scripture, much of the Gospel spends time talking about those, those, uh, those final uh, weeks even prior to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. But now he's still in, in Galilee. And uh, this parallels Matthew chapter 9. Some of you may be familiar with that passage where, where Jesus um, demonstrates and expresses his compassion for the multitudes of people and even the desperate need uh, that we pray for God to send forth laborers into the harvest. Uh, and we are commanded to, to do that today. Uh, he sent the disciples out to preach and, and we see Jesus modeling for us how we are to uh, make disciples, even by preparing them, but then also sending them out, even though they're not quite, they're, they're, they haven't arrived just as we haven't arrived. But the Lord Jesus was patient with them and he was encouraging with them. And as he is with us, aren't we grateful uh, for that wonderful truth? But again, he's preparing them again uh, to, to be disciples and to make disciples to the end of the earth, to, to obey the Great Commission that we are still uh, here to obey uh, today. And so I want us to uh, pick up there, beginning with uh, Luke chapter 9. We're just going to read this passage, verses 23 to 27. I'm going to be reading uh, from the New King James translation. But I want to invite you, if you will, if you're able, uh, to stand with me as we read this passage together. Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 23, Jesus call. Uh, to be and to follow him as disciples. Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. I want to bring a message from this passage entitled, What Does It Cost to Follow Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for the privilege of worship uh, that we have experienced in your presence this morning. Lord, we thank you that worship here is, is, uh, is preparing us 
uh, to worship around the throne of the Lamb of God for all eternity. And we thank you so much, Lord, for your presence this morning. We thank you that you are here because you're God and you're everywhere. But we thank you that you're here in the hearts and lives of every one of your children. And Lord, also that you manifest your presence and your glory as we worship you. And Lord, we continue now in a spirit of worship. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you, uh, Lord, this morning, uh, give us anointing as we seek to preach, proclaim your word. We pray again for uh, illumination that you promise for your children as they seek you this morning to understand your word through the uh, teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we pray now that you will make your word uh, real to our hearts and lives today and that you will change us to further conform us to the image of Christ so that we may follow you more closely, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this precious text. Please, Lord, may we, be, may we rightly divide your word this morning and may you be exalted in our response. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I read recently of a... Uh, of a young woman whose name was Sheila, and uh, she summed up her personal philosophy uh, in, in one word, Sheilaism. Sheilaism. She described it this way. She says, it's all about loving yourself and being gentle with yourself. Well, you know, Sheila's philosophy is, uh, is rampant in the world today, but probably especially in the United States of America, in our home country, because so many people are all about themselves. And even that same philosophy has spilled over uh, in the church today. Uh, we, we hear much, uh, many people talk about self-esteem, and many people talk about the fact that the main problem with people is just having a low self-esteem. And they also, they'll even take the words of Jesus where, where Jesus um, tells us we are to love our neighbors as ourselves and, and build a whole uh, theology, if you will, around the idea that, that we are to love ourselves and that our problem is just that we don't love ourselves enough. Well, in reality, that runs contrary to Scripture. Uh, because the fact is, Jesus, when he told us that, is telling us we do love ourselves. And, uh, and, and really, uh, what Jesus spoke in this passage and in other passages related to this important subject, again, would make many people uncomfortable who, are, who uh, build their lives around themselves and around uh, making themselves happy and being gentle on themselves, because that runs contrary to what the Lord Jesus is teaching in this passage Earlier again in this passage, Peter has confessed, back in verse, verses uh, 18 and following, confessed Jesus as the Christ again, uh, as we see in, uh, in, in the other Gospels as well. Jesus has told his disciples of his coming death and, uh, and resurrection. And, and now it appears as we come to this passage that more have joined the listeners of the Lord Jesus. Because again, beginning, he says, he said to all... And here Jesus uh, really gives a very, very important passage of Scripture. It's central to Jesus' teaching because, again, it answers the question, what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus? And many of you know the word disciple is the term, especially in the Gospels, that is used to describe a follower of Christ more than any other term. And so again, it's very, very central. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? A disciple, as we have defined or borrowed the definition, is a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus Christ 
a leader in training. Well, in the first four verses that we have read today, I believe we're going to we see what I would call the cost of, uh, of following Jesus. And in the last verse, we want to look together at the rewards for following Jesus. So look with me at this passage today. What does it cost to follow Jesus? So see, first of all, the cost of following Jesus. Again, in verses 23 to 26. Um, and again, Jesus, in verse 18, addresses these words to all. And by the way, let me just uh, pause and say here, in, in studying... Um, Men whom I respect and, and commentaries uh, on this passage, uh, not everyone agrees at who Jesus is addressing. There are those that, that would say that Jesus is, uh, is addressing those who are already following Christ to take it a step further. Uh, he's already converted them or they've already come to Christ. And so now he's calling them to, uh, to a depth of discipleship. And there's certainly truth to the fact that, that none of us, even as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, have arrived in that process. But I believe as we, uh, on the other hand, there are those who, who uh, as they study this passage, see this call as gen- is really a call to salvation. And when you see, again, one of the reasons that I uh, would, would uh, embrace this, this understanding of this passage because we see the consequences of not being willing to follow the Lord Jesus. So I believe this is a call. Uh, it is a call to repentance and faith in following uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, to, so this morning, let's consider uh, several things that Jesus is, uh, is indicating to us concerning the cost. First of all, uh, to follow Jesus... Jesus says, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself. Again, uh, Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. The word deny uh, means to disown. It means to renounce. It means to uh, renounce claim to. And, uh, and it's the same word, by the way, that is used of Peter. Of course, we know Peter denied uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, denied even knowing him uh, just prior to uh, the, tr- the trial and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And, and so I want you to understand what denying is. That's exactly what, uh, what Peter did. Uh, and, and of course, it's more than just denying things. Uh, it's really the denial of a self-centered, self-absorbed, self-fulfilled life. And we are called, the Lord Jesus said, in following him to denounce uh, claim to ourselves. Uh, why do we do that? Well, because that's exactly what happens when we come to faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, as Paul said in verses 19 and 20, uh, he says that, uh, that we are not our own. We no longer belong to ourselves, that we have been bought at a price. What is that price? The precious blood of the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we belong to Him, lock, stock, and barrel. Everything that we uh, are, everything that we have, everything that we're not, we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has purchased us. And the Bible, another term that is used to refer to a believer, Paul often used of himself, James used of himself. He called themselves a bond servant, a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And anyone that would hear that kind of term in this day and time knew immediately what that meant. That meant someone who, while human, had no rights. They no longer belonged to themselves. They completely belonged to their master and were at the complete 
disposal of their master. So it is with a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no claims to ourselves. We belong to him totally and completely. The Lord Jesus said further concerning this important subject in Luke chapter 14, another important passage about what it means to follow Jesus, about what it means to be his disciple. He said, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So dear friend, to follow Jesus means you must deny yourself. You must relinquish ownership of your life because you no longer own yourself. And so you need, so as believers, we need to stop acting like we're owners. We are not. We are stewards. We're stewards of our lives. We're stewards of everything in our possession. So to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself. Second, to follow Jesus, you must take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. That's what the Lord Jesus said uh, in the second part there, verse, uh, verse 20. Uh, if anyone de- desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Again, uh, the word take up is, a, is an aorist tense imperative, which is a command. And the idea of the verse is to do it immediately. It's a point in action, but it's to be done immediately. And note, note what Jesus says. Take up what cross? Take up your cross cross. Uh, and, and, and see, this is not the cross of Jesus we are to take up. Only Jesus could take up his cross uh, and, and accomplish what he did at the cross. But this is the cross of the disciple, the cross of the believer. Uh, many see this uh, uh, cross as sometimes people will say things about the cross and they say, well, this is the cross I must endure. And they'll use this term, the cross I must bear. And they'll use that to speak of maybe a, an illness or a difficult trial or a difficult circumstance. And, and of course, there is a wonderful uh, theology in Scripture concerning our trials and our suffering that God uses in our lives to conform us to the image of Christ. And God is sovereign in our, in our suffering and in our trials. But that's not what it means to take up your cross. Uh, to take up your cross, uh, we must see also, uh, let me say what it's not. We, we, we need to see that the cross is not uh, that beautiful uh, decoration some of you ladies may be, uh, or maybe men, wearing around your neck today. It, no, nor is it that beautiful decorative cross that, that you have hanging on your wall somewhere as we have uh, in our home. That's not the kind of cross that we're describing here. Uh, this, the, the people, again, when they heard the word cross because the cross was so disgusting despised. And that's why, again, the preaching of the cross is so despicable to so many, as, as Scripture says, because it's, it's, a, it's a shameful instrument of death. And so when you think of the cross, think of what Jesus thought of the cross. Think of what it is. It is an instrument of death. And so when Jesus is calling us to take up our cross and to do so immediately, He is speaking of our recognizing ourselves as dead. It's taking up our our cross. Think of it as as taking up your hangman's noose. Think of it as taking up your electric chair. Think of it as perhaps taking up your gas chamber. He's speaking here of, of death. So Jesus is saying to us, if you're going to follow me, you must die. Because in fact, you have died. 
as we saw in the last several messages related uh, to, again, uh, the power of the cross in the life of the believer. Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 2. We have been crucified with Christ. But Luke adds another important word that the other gospel writers do not have. Take up your cross daily. Take it up daily. Again, even though it should be a point in time, it is to be done with it in an act of finality and total surrender. Once again, we must remind ourselves daily of the fact that we have died with Christ. It, it is a daily lifestyle that we are describing. And later again in Luke 14, 27, Jesus says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So again, back to the first part of that verse. Have, have you denied yourself? Have, have you l l taken a renounced claims to your life? And have you taken up your cross? Are you daily taking up your cross as the Lord Jesus has commanded us to? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself and you must take up your cross. But thirdly, to follow Jesus, you must submit to him as Lord, Jesus said, you are to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, and follow me. This is a present tense verb indicating, a, again, a continuous lifestyle, daily following the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, on uh, more than one occasion, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of Men, have you ever heard anybody uh, respond to someone who said, I'm going to make you do something? And they respond by saying, you're not going to make me do anything. And, uh, and so again, to even the say that the Lord Jesus would make us become a, a fisher of men, those disciples who, those men who had been fishers of fish, now becoming fishers of men, that implies submission, that they had to submit to the Lord Jesus. In fact, in, in Luke 5, 11, it says, and when they had brought, had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They submitted to the lordship of Jesus. They submitted to his lordship on a daily basis. And again, they went from the lifestyle of fishing to a lifestyle of fishing for men. In his commentary, Godet remarks, the chart of true disciple of, a, of the true disciple directs him to renounce every path of his own choosing that he may put his feet into the print of his leader's footstep the leader being the Lord Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus, you must submit to him as Lord. That is to be the lifestyle of one who is following Jesus, one who is a disciple. Does that, is that your lifestyle? Does that characterize you? Is that true of your life? One who follows Jesus is one who is submitted to him as Lord in their lives. Number four, to follow Jesus, you must lose your life for his sake. Now, beginning there in verse 24, again, Jesus is, is continuing really to describe the same kind of thing, the same kind of lifestyle that is true of a believer. And if it isn't clear to you from what we've already said, I believe Jesus takes it a, a step further in explaining what this really means to follow him, what the cost really is, because Jesus wants you to count the cost. He says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will Save it. 
Again, Jesus is explaining what he's called for. This statement, by the way, is repeated several times in, in the, the ministry and message of the Lord Jesus Christ. This must have been strange to the ears of some who were hearing him this day. But again, Jesus, again, repeatedly gave this cost of following him. And, and so it's a common theme. But, uh, but again, it, it runs contrary, as we said, to the self-esteem message of modern psychology. But it also includes a warning here that if, that if uh, again, you, you make your life, your ambition, your, your goals, your, your aims, your dreams, your agendas, your, your interest and uh, self-fulfillment and the ultimate focus of your life being on yourself, what did Jesus say? He said, you'll lose your life. For eternity. This is why, friend, I believe what Jesus is calling here for is, is not just for, uh, for a, a, you know, a, a take-it-or-leave-it kind of lifestyle. No, I, I think I'll just, uh, I'll take Jesus, uh, uh, but, but I don't really want to be that radical. You know, I, I don't, after all, that's, that's going a little too far, and, and I don't want anybody to think me a fanatic. So no, I'll just choose casual, comfortable Christianity. I prefer just to show up on Sunday. I, I just, I'll come when I, when I have nothing else going on, and, and, and you know, I'll, I'll read my Bible occasionally, and, and we'll have prayer at mealtime, and, and we'll talk about God and bring Him into our life, but, but I don't really want to go quite that far. Well, dear friend, Jesus is showing us, again, what the consequences of an unwillingness to follow him. He said it, it, to be unwilling to, to, to lose your life for his sake. And by the way, he's not merely talking about, about dying uh, physically so much right now, although it may lead to that. It does lead to that for many of our brothers and sisters in Christ who've died as martyrs in an continuously increasing numbers around the world. It does mean that. You see, and, and as we see, that those, those people uh, can't really lose their life because they've already lost it in the Lord Jesus Christ. They've already, they've already surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what God has called us to. And, but, but He tells us when you are willing to lose your life in Him, then you find your life because you come to recognize the very purpose for which uh, you uh, have been born again and, and for which you have, have been born in the first place is a relationship with Christ and then again, and notice the question that Jesus asked in verse 25. He says, for what, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Very important question. Again, if you could possess everything that the world has to offer and yet lose or forfeit your eternal soul in hell, what would it profit you? You know the answer. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And many people are investing all of their lives there. They're putting all their lives into things that, that will not outlast them. In fact, in most cases, that runs out and they come to recognize the emptiness and the nothingness of that. But, but many people are self-satisfied. Many people are uh, seemingly happy. Many, you, you try to appeal to some people uh, with, uh, with joy and, and with happiness and all that God has to offer, and their answer is, no thanks. I have everything I need. I'm content. I, I have plenty of money. I have family. I have friends. I have a good job. I have all that I want. No, thank you. I don't need that. And dear friend, uh, we, must cause, we must call people the recognition uh, that there is a, 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 a relationship with God that, that is absolutely essential. Repentance and faith in the Lordship of Christ, being willing to lose our life. 
Because there is a real hell, and, and, and yet there is a, a real heaven, and there's a God who wants us to know Him and to serve Him and has given everything through giving Christ that we might know Him. As we saw last Sunday in Philippians chapter 3, Paul had lost his life to gain Christ. All his previous gains, he said, now I count as losses, as nothing, as rubbish, literally as dung. And he said in Philippians 3.8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul said that's why as he spoke to the Ephesian elders in, in Acts chapter 20, he said, I, I do not count my life as dear to myself. That's why Paul uh, was, when, when they tried to persuade him not to go into the region where they were fearful that his life uh, would, would be taken, uh, he was unafraid to go. Had the privilege of attending Dr. Steve Wilk's uh, homegoing uh, celebration service the other day. And, and one of the brothers shared about how uh, he, Dr. Wilkes was about to go uh, to a country that, that had been known to be um, a place that was very dangerous. It was a city in, New Mex in, in Mexico. And, and he said, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be wise for you to go there. To which he responded, but those people need Jesus too. They need Jesus too. And that was the attitude uh, that Paul had uh, because, again, the reason he wasn't afraid for his life is because he'd already lost his life in Christ. His life already was wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in Revelation uh, chapter 12, when we read about the persecuted saints' victory over Satan in Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. They didn't love their lives unto death. They, they, they were willing to give up their lives. They overcame him by their willingness to die rather than be disloyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, because they'd already lost their lives in Christ and for his sake. Have you lost your life in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you come to realize, as, as Paul did, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as your Lord but then number five, to follow Jesus, you must not be ashamed of him and his word. You must not be ashamed of him and his word, or you must be unashamed of him and his word. Notice what Jesus said in, in verse uh, 26. For, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man, will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. The word ashamed here means to reject, to despise, to find unacceptable. Jesus, of course, warned Peter that he would deny him, that he would be ashamed of him. And Peter said, no, everybody else might, Lord, but not me. But he did. But praise God as an indication that he was genuinely God's child and a follower and disciple of Jesus. He repented. He was broken over that. In fact, God used that failure in his life to bring him to dependence and brokenness upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and yes, we will fail the Lord. 
There have been times in my life, I don't know about you, that I have failed the Lord. I failed to speak up for Him. I've been ashamed of Him. But, but the Holy Spirit, as in Peter's life, has broken me and convicted me of those, of those times of failure in my life. So again, what he's descri- descri- describing for us is a lifestyle of, of being ashamed of Him, a lifestyle of, of not confessing Him and, and of not confessing His Word and of being ashamed of His Word. is manifested in an unwillingness uh, to and a disinterest, if you will, in confessing Christ before others. To be ashamed of His words, again, means uh, no desire to read His Word, study, or obey His Word, and no interest to speak His Word into others. And He says, if that, if that is true of you, dear friend, if that is the lifestyle of your life, if you are ashamed of Jesus and of His Word, Jesus said, I'm going to be ashamed of you when I come in my glory, when I come again. At the judgment of the Lord Jesus, uh, you'll hear those words that Jesus speaks as, as recorded for us in Matthew seven twenty one, when he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, he says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. What characterizes your life, dear friend? Are you one who is ashamed of Jesus? Are you of one who be characterized as one who confesses Christ and confesses His Word and is always ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you in the Lord Jesus Christ? That is a, a work of the Spirit of God in our lives, and that's what it means to follow Jesus, to, to not be ashamed of Him and of His Word and to boldly proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Again, thinking about Dr. Steve Wilkes. If you knew him, if any of you knew Dr. Wilkes, you would know about him. It doesn't matter. I don't know what you thought of him or, or what you, uh, uh, whether you agreed with him on everything or not, but there's one thing I can say about Dr. Wilkes. He was not ashamed of Jesus. He was not ashamed of Jesus. He was willing and ready always to proclaim the gospel to anyone and everyone. I went on two mission trips with him, one to Brazil and, and one to Mexico, and Dr. Wilkes was not ashamed of Jesus. And that should be the lifestyle of every child of God. And you know, there's good news. Good news is that, that according to Hebrews 2.11, Jesus is not ashamed to call them or us brothers. Hebrews 11.16 says, concerning the people of faith, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So I want to ask you today, dear friend, have you counted the cost to follow Jesus? And are you following Jesus? Is it obvious from these characteristics of the cost of Christ that you are his disciple, that you are following the Lord Jesus Christ? Jim was a, uh, was a pilot. He had a burning desire to, uh, to, to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with those who had never heard the gospel and he and four other friends moved their families to, South, to a South American rainforest in order to reach an unreached, unengaged people group with the gospel. But if you've seen the movie or read the story, heard the story, he and his four friends, in the process of trying to share the gospel with the Anka Indian tribe, all were killed at the spear, by the spears of those, uh, those tribe members. But amazingly, this young man, who at the time, by the way, was only 28, 
his wife Elizabeth and the other wives and families of those four uh, of those other missionaries uh, actually uh, stayed and continued to seek to share the gospel. And God honored their forgiveness and God honored their obedience. And as a result, that Indian tribe was evangelized. They became disciples and followers of Christ and, and are now sending out missionaries uh, themselves. It, 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 he died at 28, but when he was 22 years of old, 20 years, 22 years old, he wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's worth writing down if you didn't already know that. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Those words really sum up the teaching of the passage that, that we've read to you today. So we think about the cost of following Jesus. But I want you to see with me in verse 27 the reward for following Jesus. Now again, as we've said about this passage having various interpretations, uh, verse 27 is a, a passage that uh, people don't fully agree on. And so it's hard to be uh, dogmatic about what, what Jesus is saying here. But it's in the context, I believe, of what he is, he is teaching here. And he says in verse 27, But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. This is a promise from the Lord Jesus, and every promise of Jesus is true. Amen? And uh, he's saying that there's people standing right here. And again, remember the crowd had grown. It was not just uh, the, the 12 uh, disciples. Uh, there were others gathered with them now. And he said, there's some standing right here who will, who will not die until they see the kingdom of God. And again, there are some who interpret this passage as, as being the second coming. But of course, uh, Jesus has not uh, returned in that sense now. So that is obviously not the correct interpretation. Uh, and then there are those who, who believe that, that uh, it's going to be fulfilled. And many take this position that it will be fulfilled in the transfiguration that is uh, going to be the very next passage and follows in each of the Gospels this, um, uh, the, this important event in the life and, and ministry of Jesus, Lord willing, that we'll see next week. Uh, but again, uh, this would have only included Peter, James, and John. They did see the glorified Lord Jesus. It was a beautiful uh, a picture and of what's going to take place in the glorified state and a preview of the fulfillment of the eternal kingdom of God. But I want to share with you another uh, position that I, I believe uh, uh, really embraces what, what uh, this passage I've come to believe is, is dealing with and the promise Jesus is giving in the pulpit commentary. The writers believe that Jesus was referring to those who witnessed his resurrection and his ascension. Uh, the 11 disciples... Uh, along with those godly women who loved and served um, the Lord Jesus, uh, as well as many others. If, uh, again, if many believe on that final, the, the Great Commission there in Matthew 28, uh, 500 at once, as 1 Corinthians says, uh, were there uh, to hear the Lord Jesus. Uh, th this is what they comment. These loving followers of Jesus were changed by what happened during the 40 days which immediately succeeded the resurrection. They were changed from simple, loving, but fearful, doubting men and women into the brave, 
resistless preachers and teachers of the new birth. The 500 who gazed on the risen Lord in the Galilean mountain may in good earnest be said to have seen while in life the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that when we are poor in spirit that we have the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, as he preached, he said, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't say that where, you know, where is the kingdom? He said, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the king in the hearts and lives of individual people. And yes, there's going to be greater uh, fulfillment of that. There's going to be uh, greater enjoyment of that when the Lord Jesus comes for us. But in the meantime, the kingdom of God is here. It is in us, his rule. It's not just the church, so the church is a part of that, but he is ruling and reigning, and we are to still proclaim, as Paul proclaimed, the gospel of the kingdom. We are too to proclaim that Jesus is the king, and he is worthy of your repentance and faith and surrender to his lordship and allowing him to reign as king in your life and every part of your life. And in order to follow Jesus, you must be willing to to surrender to him and follow him, but he promises that you will then see the kingdom of God in your life as well. And Paul said in Romans 14, 17, uh, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Later, Peter and uh, said to the Lord Jesus, having uh, heard a similar message and having seen uh, the rich young ruler turn and walk away uh, from the Lord Jesus, unwilling to forsake all to follow Christ, he said, see, we, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus, among other things, responded, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Dear friend, it, is, it really is worth leaving everything. It really is worth denying yourself. It really is worth taking up your cross immediately and daily following the Lord Jesus. It's worth submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. It's worth losing your life in Christ. It is worth being unashamed of Jesus and of his word to follow him. And he does promise to reward those who do so. Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus was in essence saying, I, I can't do anything for the people who think they're already righteous, who are impressed with themselves, their religion, their morality, their money, their education, their achievements. I can't do anything for these people. Why? Again, because they do not see their need for Christ. That rich young ruler that we described and even mentioned last Sunday, again, he, he didn't see his need. He asked Jesus, what was needed to, to have eternal life. And, and Jesus, using the law, sought to confront the need of his heart, but the man still did not see. 
He was so satisfied in himself, satisfied with, with what he had, satisfied with his, his morality and of his own righteousness that he did not see his need for Jesus' righteousness. And therefore, when Jesus confronted him with a, with a call to forsake all that he had, to, to sell what he had, to give it to the poor, to take up his cross and follow him, the man was unwilling. You see, he did not see Jesus as worth it. He didn't see Jesus as worthy of forsaking everything to follow. He was unwilling to deny himself. He was unwilling to take up his cross. He was unwilling to submit to Jesus' lordship. He was ashamed of, of Jesus and of his word. And therefore, he went away disappointed. He denied Jesus. Dear friend, have you forsaken all to follow Jesus? Have you turned your back on things and, and even life, the Bible says? Have you lost your life in the Lord Jesus only to find it? Then if you have not, friend, we want to invite you to recognize your need for Christ and be willing to surrender to Him. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used His Word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.